0: I love you. Sit. You can sit. Open your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 1, verse 15. Again, if you are new to church or you are just new to our church, uh, this is generally what we do. We believe that Israel's God has uh, chosen to communicate His plan and His wisdom for the world through the Bible. Okay? So we, we just believe... Um, this thing, and so to know God's plans and His promises, and to walk in His ways, we we just aim to base our lives around what this says. Okay, like this, is, we're just unapologetic about that. So on Sundays, we open this up, we read it aloud, and a teacher, uh, usually me, but but uh, more often and often uh, more elders will be will be teaching. We, we open it up, read it aloud, and we do our best to explain what it is we just read, and then we respond to the word in worship and faith and, and obedience, and we ask the Spirit to come and help us obey what we have read. Right, Ryan? This is what we ask. at the end. We read the Bible, we ask, okay, what can we obey here? And we ask the Spirit to help us do it. So that's what's going to happen now. I'm going to read Ephesians 1, 15 through 21 out loud. It's a section of a letter. A real guy wrote real people a long time ago. I'm going to aim to explain it, and then I'm going to aim to encourage you in obeying it, and then we'll respond in worship and in faith. Cool? Good? All right, we're here. We might as well do it. Uh, Mary Cook, if you're watching on the live stream, we've had four coffee spills already, so we're not getting carpet. Okay? (laughs) Verse 15, he says, ever since I heard about your trust in the Lord Jesus and all, and your love for all of God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you in my prayers. I keep asking the God of our Lord Jesus, the Messiah, the glorious father, to give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you will have full knowledge of him. I pray that he will give light to the eyes of your hearts so that you will understand the hope to which he has called you, what rich glories there are in the inheritance he has promised his people, and how surpassingly great is his power working in us who trust him. It works with the same mighty strength he used when he worked in the Messiah to raise him from the dead, seat him at his right hand in the heavens, high above every ruler, And authority, and power, and dominion, and every name that's called upon, not only in this age, but in the age to come, this is God's word. Okay. So in this uh, section of Paul's letter from a Roman prison, he wants the believers in Ephesus to know some stuff. And the first thing he wants them to know is that he is thankful for them. Verse 15. Ever since I heard about y'all's trust in Jesus and your love for all God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you. Okay, this is what he's writing. And so what is he thankful for? He's thankful that they're maturing. He's thankful that they are growing. He's thankful that you guys are staying on the narrow path and they're aiming their hearts in the two great commandments. Right. What are the two great commandments? One, that you love God and two, that you love God. Yeah, yeah, you love your neighbor, love love them as yourself. So verse 15, ever since I heard about, one, your trust, your, your love, your worship for God, and two, your love for all God's people. Ever since I heard about these things from prison, I just am full of thanksgiving. It's all I'm doing. The guards are like, what's wrong with Paul? Always singing this thanksgiving song. He says, you're trusting in Jesus for eternal life. And that trust is causing you to love others, and I thank God continually for that. Go ahead, send that one off to them, okay? And so I want to parrot Paul and say the same to the members of Christian Life Church, okay? I thank God for you guys every day, in alphabetical order, okay? So I get to the M's, and it's like, good God, you know, so many of you. (laughs) thank God for you every day. I thank God first for your love and your trust in Jesus. Okay. Um, as a pastor, I've had a front row seat, especially in our home group settings to watch you grow in your love for God and your trust in God's promises. Okay. Like, uh, many of you are different people than you were eight years ago five years ago, three years ago, and your trust in Jesus, your trust in Jesus has solidified my trust in Jesus, okay? I've seen you guys walk through uh, trial and tribulation in this age, hold fast to Jesus and think, okay, if they can do it, I can do it, okay? If they can hold on, I can hold on. I can keep on the path because they have. So I thank God for you, members of Christian Life Church. Second, like Paul, I thank God for your love for all people, okay? So as long as I've known the members of Christian Life Church... 19 years. Which means I'm getting up there. 19 years I've known you. For, yeah. I've seen you for 19 years love people with words, okay? And sharing the gospel and just general encouragement. I've seen you love people. Um, with with deeds. It was uh, just perfect. This morning, Charlie showed up with his vest and torch, and I was like, we're here. It's yeah. official, okay? I've seen you love people with deeds, and I've seen you love, love people with dollars. Over and over and over and over, we give money to people in, in need, and the Lord always fills us back up. You guys have done these three things selflessly and sacrificially, and I thank God for it every day. Thank you. Keep it up, Okay. And third, as it regards this project specifically, I thank God for your willingness to be future minded. Okay? Okay? To pray, thank God that you've chosen to take some risks, to give an outrageous amount of money, to to thank God that you chose to move out of an old building, move into the fellowship hall. You remember that? It's down there. This is way too high, honestly, I feel like. Okay? To move into the Baptist church. Went to bed that night like, what? <laughs> what are we doing? And we did it. And I thank God that you, you've worked your ever-loving tails off, okay? Like, <laughs> I don't have time to give the proper amount of thanks to guys like Barry and, and Bobby and Brian and Max. and Brayden and Andrew, JD and Reese, Vernon Young, okay? If you guys get a chance, pop over to this classroom, uh, Vernon uh, restored some cabinets that Jim turbish made way back then for our, our kids' stuff. Jarrah, Jillian, Michelle, anything that looks good in here, say, Jillian, not, you know, Stoney, Donald, Sean, I like, just keep keep going, okay? You guys worked your tails off to make this happen. You gave an incredible amount of time and energy to getting this done so that we could do this and do what Joe said, launch out of here, right? We're not here just for this. And get this. You know, we're here to go and and do the thing. I thank God for you. And so this is how Paul starts. So I was like, this is how I want to start first Sunday in here. Let's thank God for your love for God and, and your love for all people. And then that third one for getting this done. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And we'll thank Stoney when you finish. Okay. When he gets... Gets the kitchen done. <laughs> Thank him. Okay, so I, again, I could give thanks for all these other things all day long, but we need to get to the good stuff. Paul's prayers here. Okay, so he thanks God for their trust in Jesus, their love for people, and then he begins his prayers, and it's three prayers: one that they would know Jesus fully, two that they would have biblical hope, and three that they would know the power of the Holy Spirit. Those are three good things for our first Sunday in here. Okay, so and these are some my prayers too. He says, in my prayers, I keep asking the God of our Lord Jesus, the Messiah, the glorious Father. And what does he ask? To give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation. So whether that's a spirit or the spirit, it doesn't really matter. They need it. Okay, they need this. Why? So that you will have full knowledge of him. And that's a good thing to ask for. Right. Right. Anyone in here like, yeah, I've got full knowledge of God. (laughs) No, we we pray for it. And this ask from Paul, this prayer from Paul, assumes something awesome. It assumes that you can actually know God. Okay? Not just know facts about God. Or not just know stories about Him. Not just know theology and have a nice little system. The devil can have all of those things. Okay? The devil has better theology than you. Paul means here to know him, to have a real, full, experiential knowledge of Jesus. He's praying because this is a possibility for human beings to have. Okay, And, important for all humans, this sort of experiential knowledge of God is necessary to be saved. Okay, this is necessary for being raised from the dead on the last day and inheriting eternal life. Okay, so this is really cool. When I saw this, I started jumping around in my office. I was like, yeah! Okay, and then I had to stop Stony working. It's just like, Stony, look at this! This is awesome! So you guys, look at this! This is awesome! Eternal life, to have eternal life, to get raised from the dead, you got to know God. Paul's praying that they would know God for this reason. So Jesus says, John 17, 3, this is eternal life. So what is eternal life? How do I get it? Jesus says, this is eternal life, that they may know you. Same word that Paul, Paul prays, that they would have knowledge of him, you. Not facts about you, but know real knowledge of this person. So for Jesus, Jesus says, you inherit eternal life, not by knowing facts about God, but by knowing God. By knowing a person in, the, in Jesus. So if Jesus said this... Paul believed this, right? Which, you should follow the same pattern, okay? Paul believed this as well. He says, I've got to know God experientially if I want to live forever. So Philippians 3, verse 10. He says, my goal, CSB, my goal is to know him. Not facts about him, not Bible verses and stories. Those, Those are good. You should know that. My goal is to know him and the power of his resurrection, and that I may share in his sufferings, become like him in his death. This is experiential knowing, right? Sharing in suffering, you do that with someone else, become like him in his death. It's living, dying with him in a real way. Verse 11, so that by any means possible, I may attain to the resurrection of the dead. So to attain eternal life, Paul says, I've got to know him. Not like, I know these stories, I know these facts, I've got a theological system. No, Paul says, i got to know Jesus if I'm going to live forever. This was Paul's prayer for his own life, Philippians 3, and it's his prayer for the Ephesian congregation, Ephesians 1, and it's my prayer for us today. That we would know Jesus. So first, for the believers in the room, okay, you are all in with Jesus, all in as a disciple, hand to the plow, not looking back, counting the cost, doing the thing. If, if you have unconsciously or consciously substituted knowing facts about God for actually knowing God, my prayer is that we would repent. And we would ask for a spirit of wisdom and revelation and then go on to actually knowing him. Okay? Because it happens. Okay? Like you run in the race for a long time and you settle for knowing Bible stories instead of knowing a, a, a person. And and we don't want to do that. We don't want to have a nice church building and, and look nice and whatever and not know Jesus. There's no point to that. There's no point to that. Okay? I'm praying this because it's a possibility. Paul Paul's not like praying like aimlessly, he's praying this because it's possible to actually know Jesus. The second prayer is for unbelievers, okay? You're here today just showing up, whatever. Cool, you know, you want to see what, what's going on. Brayden's friends with the whole world and so the whole world wants to come see what Brayden's been working on, okay? My prayer for you is that God would send this spirit of wisdom and revelation to you today as I'm preaching. You would repent of your sins, you would trust in Jesus and then you would go on to knowing him. Okay? And we'll help you with that. That's why all of us are here, because we need help with this thing. So if that's you today, come find me, come find an elder. If you're sitting next to a member of our church, talk to them. I want to know, Jesus, what's next? They can tell you, okay? Next, Paul keeps praying, verse 18. He says, I pray that he will give light to the eyes of your hearts. Just a funny image, but it's here. I pray that he will give light to the eyes of your heart so that you will understand the hope to which he has called you. What rich glories there are in the inheritance he has promised his people. So, Paul is writing to mostly Gentiles here in Ephesus, and he wants them to have a biblical hope. Meaning, Paul wants the Gentiles to have and share in a Jewish hope. Okay? So, do you know what biblical hope is? Okay? what, what, what do the prophets, the, the Jewish prophets, look forward to? What do they prophesy? What do they look into the future and see and say, everyone go for that? Well, it's not what pop culture or most of our hymns have sold you. Okay, Clouds and harps and eternal sing along in the sky. Isaiah never talks about that. Jeremiah never talks about that. Hosea never talks about that. Amos never talks about that. Jesus never talks about that. This is not the hope of the scriptures. Biblical hope, the inheritance promised to his people what they've been longing for, waiting for since Adam and Eve rebelled against their Lord. The hope is this, the restoration of all things. It's the undoing of the curse on the ground. All things made new. Biblical hope, what the Jewish prophets call the day of the Lord, the resurrection of the dead, the age to come, points to a future where, when the Messiah returns, injustice is removed from the earth, okay? No longer are children slaughtered in the womb, no longer are women sold for sex, no longer do corrupt governments and businesses take advantage of the poor. That nonsense goes away when the Messiah comes, okay? Okay? Like, nope, no more. We're not doing this anymore. Isaiah 42. Behold, my servant whom I uphold, my chosen one in whom my soul delights, I have put my spirit on him and he will bring forth justice to the nations. To the whole earth, Isaiah 11, with righteousness, he will judge the poor and he will decide with fairness for the afflicted of the earth. Psalm 72, he will have compassion on the poor and the needy and the lives of the needy. He will save. That's what Isaiah is looking forward to this day. And Paul wants these Gentiles to share that same hope. Okay, that sounds good. Everyone on board with no more injustice. Alright, what else does the future hold? What else do the, the prophets hope for? How about this? How about no more war? Okay, Isaiah 2. It shall come to pass in the latter days that the mountain of the house of the Lord. This is a real place. This is in Jerusalem. Postal code 916-0401. Okay, <laughs> The mountain of the house of the Lord will be established as the highest of the mountains and all the nations will flow to it. Many people will come and say, come, let us go up to the house of the God of Jacob. Why are they going up to Jerusalem so that he may teach us his ways and that we may walk in his paths? for out of Zion that city shall go forth the law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. And then verse four, he shall judge between the nations. He will decide disputes for many peoples and they shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks and nations shall not lift up sword against nation. Neither shall they learn war anymore. How's that sound? Oh, yeah, give me more of that. The Jewish... Hope, the, the hope and the inheritance that Paul is praying, I want you guys to understand the hope that you've been called for, the, the, rich, the rich glories of the inheritance for the saints. He wants them to understand this future where instead of manufacturing missiles, people make farm equipment, okay? And you farmers, it's farm equipment we can work on, right? No computers, not all the stuff, just like, no, goes here, it works, done, We don't make missiles, we we make plows. Where kids don't hide under their beds as bombs go off. Where parents and children don't go off to war and not come home. Where prosthetic limbs and and PTSD are history. Okay? The glorious future means the horrors of war are forever a thing of the past. This is the hope. This is the promised inheritance. Injustice will be removed. War will be no more. And best of all, y'all, there's no more death. Okay? We back wall on your way out above our doors there. He will swallow up death forever. That's there because every time you leave a, a, a gathering here, I want that to be the thing that you see. You leave here with this glorious hope. That day is coming when Jesus will swallow up death forever. Isaiah 25. We had to, right? We had to. On this mountain, the Lord of hosts will make for all peoples a feast of rich food, of well-aged wine. Who was at Baptist last week? How many of you had wine? We had some old communion juice last week. Let's call it wine. He will make this feast of well-aged wine. Verse 7, he will swallow up on this mountain the covering that's cast over all the peoples. Thank you. The veil that's spread over all the nations, verse 8, he will swallow up death forever. And the Lord God will wipe away tears from all faces. This is what Paul has in mind by hope, okay? So when you think of biblical hope, think of the end of, 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 of death. It's trust in a future where we don't have funerals anymore, okay? So back to Paul. Read it this way. I pray, verse 18, that he will give light to the eyes of your heart so that you will understand and believe and trust and look forward to and live according to a glorious future where there's no more sickness, sadness, war, tears, and our bodies are raised to life to never decay again. Can you get on board with that? This is Paul's prayer, that this drives you, this hope of the coming age. And so this is my prayer for CLC, that our eyes will be lit up, what he says here, and alive To what's in store for us if we simply cling to Jesus and stay on the path that leads to life. This is what you get. Okay? Like, this is what is coming. I want us thinking about the return of Jesus and the age to come all the time. More, not less. Okay? More when good things happen, like today. Okay, when, when, when we have a, a feast full of laughter with friends or when a baby lights up a room, okay, when good things happen, I want us to say, thank you, Lord, for this gift. And thank you that it points us to a future that is so great and so glorious that this day pales in comparison. Yeah. You know what I mean? We receive good gifts. It's like, oh, thank you for this gift. That's even going to be better. Hallelujah. And when bad things happen, When death invades our space, or another disaster strikes, or the righteous suffer and the wicked prosper, I want us to say thank you, Lord, for the promise that things won't be this way forever. Thank you, Lord, for the promise that now is not always, and these afflictions will one day cease. Okay? Having a biblical hope girds you up to celebrate what is good and endure what is wrong. Okay? you don't have those things, you're, you're the double minded man in James and you're just going to and fro with whatever the world throws at you. Paul prays for a biblical hope so they can withstand the storm and inherit eternal life. I pray that he will give light to the eyes of your heart so that you will understand the hope that he has called you to. What rich glories there are in the inheritance he has promised for his people. Praying that. Praying that. Paul's next prayer. If you can handle more, okay? Paul's next prayer for the Ephesians believers is that they would know, verse 19, how surpassingly great is God's power working in us who trust him. It works with the same mighty strength he used when he worked in Messiah to raise him from the dead. Did you hear what he said? <laughs> it's really cool if you read it. Whoa! Whoa! Okay, Paul wants them to know that God has not left them alone to fight the good fight while they wait for Jesus to return. Right? He doesn't say, all right, have at it, good luck. No, it's not what he says. He says those who trust in Jesus receive a deposit of the same power that raised Jesus from the dead, and you receive that deposit now here you go, you're going to need this to finish the race and stay on the path here you go, this great power is working in us, present tense who trusts him, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead, Paul says whew, in, in, in you so that same spirit which is pretty powerful have you ever seen someone raised from the dead? Lot, you know, even with the clear boom, it's a lot of power To get them to come up. That same Spirit is leading us now, training us now, helping us now. Rachel, what's our prayer? Holy Spirit, help. Pray that thing just a hundred times a day, right? Walk into the grocery store with a list from Sierra. Holy Spirit, help, you know. Now I got Holly and Michelle can help me. Nelda, thank you. You are the Spirit to me in the grocery store. Helping us and encouraging us, and the Spirit's empowering us to live godly lives in this age. Yeah. Right now, we, we have a deposit of the Spirit, and even better, at the day of the Lord, that same power that we just have a deposit of now will be given to us in full and will raise our bodies from the dead. Hallelujah. That's awesome. Like I, I read I read this this week and I was like, there's no way he means that. You know what I mean? Because like I look at my own life and I'm like, I'm kinda not doing that. but this is what he says yeah. Romans 8:11, if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you, then he who raised Christ from the dead will also bring your mortal bodies to life through his spirit who lives in you, okay? So those we've lost, and us if we die before that day, the Spirit of God will come to our bones, or our ashes, or whatever, I don't know how it all works, and raise us from the dead. The same Spirit that raised Jesus, and so this is Paul's prayer, and this is mine. God, light up our eyes to know and experience the power of the Spirit that lives in us in in big ways, okay? Through conquering sin, okay? If you've tried to follow Jesus, you start to follow Jesus, you you all have this same problem, right? The sin deal is a real bummer. I didn't want to do that, and I did it. Okay, I didn't want to do that tomorrow. be The Spirit of God is at work in you, helping you do that thing. So I, I put that in a big category. The Spirit of God working in us through conquering sin, performing signs, wonders, and miracles. That ain't you. The Spirit of God in you. And I'm praying that, that God would open up, lighten our eyes to, to, to the Spirit's work in all the little ways. Being diligent in spiritual disciplines, okay? Like, if you're doing a Bible reading plan, where are you guys at right now? Leviticus, Numbers. Like, me and Ryan at the gym this morning talking about discharge in Leviticus. Like, yeah, it was a real, real good devotion this morning. Get my eyes, my heart alive for our first service. Like... Oh. <laughs> okay? We need the Spirit to be diligent in spiritual discipline. We need the Spirit to be diligent in loving our church, loving our families, and loving our, our neighbors. So, this is my prayer. God, enlighten the eyes of our hearts that so we know the power of the Spirit working in us all the big ways, all the small ways. These are Paul's prayers. These are my prayers, and they are prayers that will be answered, you know. Okay? God will give. The spirit of wisdom and revelation. And we will have real knowledge of him. The eyes of our hearts will be in line. And we will not only know biblical hope. right? Know about it. And we'll know that there's going to be no more injustice. And no more war. And no more dead. This glorious future. At the day of the Lord. We will actually step into the hope. And there won't be hope anymore. You know what I mean? Hope that's seen is not hope. I, that is unseen at present. So I hope and believe in it, and what has been previously unseen on that day will be seen. And Paul's third prayer: the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead will work in us now, and will work in us on that day. These are the prayers, and they will get answered; they will come true. Okay, but they will only come true for a certain group of people. Okay, and who? So who's the group that that gets this? Is it those in a certain tax bracket? is those with a certain upbringing? Is it those with a certain amount of letters after their name? Is this who inherits all of these things? Uh, no. Who does Paul say it is? Let's read he says in my prayers, I keep asking the glorious father to give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation, and the knowledge that you have full knowledge of him, that he will give light to the eyes of your hearts, so that you will understand the hope to which he has called you. What rich glories there are in the inheritance he has promised his people and how surpassingly great is his power working in us who trust in him. Who are these promises for? Those who trust God. OK, those who trust him, those who believe that God's words are reliable and live accordingly. Is that clear? I don't I, I don't want us leaving today thinking this is automatic because I went to church one day. This is automatic because I walked an aisle at VBS or I walked an aisle at a church 55 years ago. This is for those who trust in him. Today, And what we're called to trust in, in in this passage specifically, is that Jesus is king. The trust required here is that God is the sovereign over all things. And therefore, allegiance is owed to him in every area of our lives. Okay? If he is king over all. All there's not a part of this that's not his, that doesn't belong to him, that that isn't given allegiance to. Okay, so ver- the the verse twenty, he worked in the Messiah to raise him from the dead and seat him at his right hand in the heavens. Okay, so at this moment, if you could see the right hand of God the Father sits this man high above every ruler and authority and power. And dominion in every name that is called upon, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. So if you desire these things that Paul has laid out, knowing God in a real way, having a future hope and inheritance in a perfected world. And if you want the power of the Spirit at work within you now and in the age to come, the command from the Lord, the prayer from Paul is to bow your knee to him as king. To trust in his cross for the forgiveness of your sins. And to trust in his resurrection as a guarantee that you will be raised as well. Okay? That's how you get what Paul lays out here. Only by trust. Only by faith in Christ crucified, ascended, and returning. That's it. And so if you have questions like, "Ah, I want that stuff, I'm not sure. Talk to me talk to our elders, talk to any member of our church and they can start you on the path. But don't leave here today on the fence. Leave here today trusting in Jesus for eternal life. Trusting in Jesus for a future hope and inheritance in a world without end. If I have the musicians come up, let's pray. Father, we ask you, we pray with Paul today. God, I ask for the members of Christian Life Church and those who maybe just put their trust in you in the last 30 seconds. God, I ask that they would have a spirit of wisdom and revelation so that they would know you fully. God, if we have just facts and stories about you but don't know you, we ask you, send the Spirit to help us to know you in a real way. God, I I ask for the members of Christian Life Church, and again, those who just in the last 45 seconds have put their trust in you. God, that they would know the hope to which they have been called and the glorious inheritance in the saints that belongs to those who trust. And God, I ask that now, in this next moment, God, of our gathering, that you would send the Spirit, that we would know the mighty strength that you worked in Jesus when you raised him from the dead would be at work in us now. We ask you for a visitation from the spirit of God that would convict us of sin, that would turn us to you, that would cause our hearts to be lifted up in worship and praise. So that we walk out of here in love with Jesus, in love with our neighbor and giving ourselves in wholeheartedness to you, to what you have, to your word and your ways. In the name of Jesus, we ask God. Everyone said, amen. So let's stand. Let's respond to God's word in praise. In, in